Konnichiwa, minasan. <laughs> In other words, hello, good afternoon, everyone. My name is Autumn, and you are listening to another episode of Brave Conversations. I'm very excited about this episode because we are going to be going over Genesis chapter 3. Now, I don't want to give all the juicy details because I've already read this chapter, but um, of course, I'm going over it again with you guys. But I just want to try to know, like when I first read this chapter, it's like a light bulb went off in my head. I I instantly understood why life is the way it is. And I instantly understood an answer to a lot of common problems that I feel like we experience in society in society and within ourselves and you know it gave me an answer to some of the problems that you know I I struggle with and you may struggle with once I reveal them as well so I don't want to be chit-chatting for long so let's let's get into it I kind of gotta apologize to you guys because I forgot to mention something that I think is of great importance in the last episode. And it's important to know because it's just going to bring everything all together um, in the end. And I just feel like it, it would better help uh, um, people understand if they knew this. So the two testaments of the Bible. It's important to understand that they they go hand in hand. You can't read and understand one without reading and understanding the other like they go together they're two peas in a pie the old testament is in to my understanding it's like a foreshadow of the new testament and it's basically god telling us what is to come in the new testament and the way he shows us what is to come is through the saving promises and the covenants that he makes with um his people throughout the old testament and it is through those narratives and those um, accountings that we begin to understand who God is, what his character is. We begin to understand ourselves. We begin to understand where we stand with him. Um, we begin to understand how to view ourselves through his eyes. And we understand Jesus and just the significance of his crucifixion and resurrection and I'm just going to leave it there because like I feel like it's going to be even more explained as we go throughout the old testament and then eventually into the new testament and yeah I just feel like you guys needed to know that before we really dive into to the nitty-gritty and the good stuff yeah all right let's go hey did you know that you can leave us voice messages that we can use in our podcast episodes. All you have to do is click or tap the link in our episode show notes, which is the description, and Anchor will guide you through the steps where you can speak your piece with us. All right, so I just want to say that I'm going to be reading from like two different Bible versions. Um, The first one is titled ESV Study Bible. And then the second Bible I'm going to be referencing is um, ERV version for those of you guys who want to know. But, you know, I like to read from different versions because, you know, some texts explain better than others. But, you know, it's good to just have multiple sources. Yeah, I'll leave it at that. All right, let's get into it. Genesis chapter three. Now, the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit. We may eat. Sorry, guys. (laughs) We may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said. You shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. I'm going to stop right there because it's a lot to unpack. First things first. The serpent. So 
I find it odd how like the first verse is so random. It's just like this is probably the only verse that really mentions the character of the serpent. And it reads that the serpent was more crafty than any, any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made. So I'm just thinking to myself, like, why, why did they put that there? And I just think they just put that there so we know that the serpent is basically up to no good so that we can understand that, like, this is not no normal approach. This is not no normal conversation. This serpent is on the agenda and God is trying to tell us what that agenda is. Now, there are some interpreters who believe that this serpent is basically Satan. But then that comes to question like, so Satan was already made before, you know, the whole Lucifer story, which we will get to probably way later. But like, that just don't make no sense. But we gonna make it make sense. Let me know if you if you got that reference I just did. If you don't, then I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> but um, then this serpent, y'all, if y'all didn't catch it, he deliberately contradict or misquoted God. He said, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? That's not what God said, though. Now, his his question seems innocent on the surface. Like maybe he just, you know, misheard God. Like he just wants clarification. But his deliberate, like, contradiction to what God said, it kind of just proves that he's up to no good. It it, it, it gives hints to, to his his purpose. Now, the text never really says when the serpent becomes or even how the serpent became evil. But it's clear and you'll see more when we read on that this serpent is being controlled by an evil power. So at some point when God got done making this beautiful world that we live in, evil has entered the chat. <laughs> Basically. And then I want to I want to touch on what the woman the woman said. Okay? Let me she said Oh, no, nah, baby. Basically, this is what she said. She was like, no, nah, no, nah, that's not what he said. He said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Baby, that's not what he said, though, baby. That's not what he said. So first off. God said in clear, clear instruction. This is um from chapter two, verse 16. And the Lord God commanded the man after he put the man in the, Eden, in the garden of Eden. God said, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Do y'all see the difference in the woman's response? Like what the woman heard based off what God said for real. <laughs> like, first off, she couldn't even identify what tree she wasn't supposed to eat from. That just goes to tell me that you weren't listening the first time. God gave clear instruction about which tree exactly not to eat from and 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 the woman was just like all right yeah it's it's uh one of them trees in the midst of the garden he said we can't eat and then she added on a little bit more she said neither shall you touch it god never said anything about not touching it he just said don't eat the fruit the fruit from it so she just added on more restrictions now okay we make mistakes you know, sometimes we, 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 we don't hear clearly and when we start adding stuff, but here, you know, God gave you clear instruction and you decided that his words were open for human modification. And y'all got to think about it. Like if you are in a debate with someone, like you both have one topic and you, one side is the affirming and then the other side is the opposing. If you on the opposing side don't have your facts straight, 
the affirmative side is going to annihilate you because they can easily pick apart your misinformation and turn it to their good. And they can even plant mis they can even plant misinformation that you would believe because you don't know no better because you don't understand the topic fully. And that's basically what happened here. What's happening here with the woman. She don't really fully understand the instructions. So now she is just open game to manipulation and coercion. Let's move on to the next to, uh, verses. So just a reminder, the woman was in the garden. The serpent came up. He crafty y'all. Remember that he crafty. And he asked her, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? He planted seeds of doubt. You know, people only say, did somebody actually say that when they themselves don't believe that that was said or if they're trying to plant doubt in you? So we know his intentions. And, you know, the woman replied, well, no, nah, that's not what he said. He said we, we can't eat from one of these trees in the midst of the garden and we can't touch it either or we going to die. So that's basically where we at right now. So then it says, but the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die for God knows that when you eat of it, eat of it, he's talking about the tree, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. Pause. Okay. In order for us to, I feel like we need to, we need to pause here because we need to understand like what, what's the deal with this tree? Like why is God saying that they can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Like what, what's going to happen if they do like is, well, we already know he said you're die, but like, why? Like, why is it so bad to know? Okay. So this tree and the fruits of this tree gives you sexual awareness, moral discrimination, moral responsibility, and moral experience. Keep that in mind. Now let's go back to the book. Somehow the serpent has made the woman set her eyes and only on this tree. Now God said that all the trees, including the tree of knowledge of good and evil were pleasant to the eyes and that the fruit was basically good. But the serpent somehow convinced this woman that this tree was better than all the others. And he used her desire for wisdom in order to, to fixate her eyes on this tree alone, the tree that she's not supposed to eat from. And then y'all, she also gave some to her husband who was with her. Now, I just want to say like growing up, I've always heard people reference the Adam and Eve story, men particularly, but I've heard women use this story as well for their advantage. And they use this story to kind of prove that women are not loyal or like women are deceiving. And that just, when I heard that come from somebody's mouth, I instantly just know that you don't fully understand the story. And we do that a lot as humans. We, we take stories from the Bible and we use it for our own good. And in the midst of us doing that, we, we ourselves like this woman has done already with the serpent misquote and add our own modifications into the story. Now, many believe that the woman like deceptively gave Adam this, her husband, Adam, the fruit. And in the end, it, it, it was his downfall too. Like he, because of her, he has to suffer consequences. But it says it right here in the text, y'all. And this is where, you know, reading comprehension comes in. He was with her the whole time. He was witnessing this conversation between 
the woman and the serpent. And he willingly ate it anyway. So the fact is that Adam was with her and that he knowingly ate what God had forbidden. And that just shows you that Adam's sin was both an act of conscious. He was aware rebellion against God and he failed to carry out what he was his ordained responsibility to guard or keep both the garden and the woman that God created as his helper fit for him. So this was Adam's sin alone. Yes, the woman is sinning as well when she ate it, but this was his choice. He decided to listen to the voice of his wife and eat the fruit when he know he's not supposed to either. God told him both at the same time. And actually he told Adam first about the tree. He told Adam, don't, yeah, because the woman wasn't even made yet when, when God gave Adam that command to not eat from the tree. So it was Adam's responsibility to, to, to inform his wife, like, Hey, this is the tree that we're not supposed to eat from. But he sat there and he heard the conversation and him knowing that he's not supposed to eat from this tree. He did it anyway. For what reason? I don't know. Maybe he was trying to be, you know, in, in, in unity with his wife, but either way he knew what he was doing. So this was like not, not no deceptive plot that the woman had against Adam. He was not deceived. He was not blind. He knew what he was doing. And I've also used, I've also heard women use this story to, to for their plight as well, saying I, I've heard and them say that based off, you know, the, the interaction between Adam and his wife, men can be easily manipulated into you know doing the woman's bidding and it doesn't take much for a man to follow his wife which in a way the story kind of does validate that but um that would just still imply that he didn't know what he was doing and he did so it's still it's it's not even the woman's control it's it's still his his choice his he was informed it was <laughs> it was informed consent in order to manipulate someone and you have to manipulate someone who doesn't know better and Adam knew better so you know people who use this story for their plight you know the men who use it to say that women are not loyal that you shouldn't trust them and that they 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 live to deceive you you don't understand the story and the women who use it to say that in that men are easily manipulated and they don't have um the wherewithal they don't know anything Um, So you can easily, you know, make them do anything you want. You don't understand the story either. So I suggest you go back and read. (laughs) But yeah, that just, that actually blew my mind. Cause like, I'm not even gonna lie. Like I would hear these people use this story for the, for their, you know, agendas. And I'll be like, well, they kind of right. No, Autumn, they weren't. And that's just because I just didn't know the, I didn't understand myself the story. But now I do. So I know not to listen to those people. So let's read on to verse seven. So we're at the point. The woman has ate the fruit because, you know, the serpent was like, if you eat it, you'll be you'll be just like God. And uh, he's like, not only will you be just like God, but you you'll be wise. You will know good from evil. And she's like, oh, yeah. I want to be wise. I want to be like God. So you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to eat this fruit. And then she gave it knowingly. I mean, she gave it to her husband and Adam knowing that this is wrong, ate it too. And you want to know the irony is that because like they were made in the image of God. So they were already like God, but the, the serpent somehow convinced them that they weren't. And, and now they have this desire to be like him. Sound familiar? A lot of people are now like that today. And another thing is that, you know, God gave them authority over all the beasts in the garden. And you're now listening to somebody who has, you have authority over. You're listening to, to, to somebody you, you have authority over instead of God. And yeah, <laughs> you played yourself. Then the eyes of both the woman and the man were opened. And they knew that they were naked 
and they sold fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. <laughs> I don't know what the heck that is. I'm just going to say it's clothes. <laughs> so they made themselves some clothes because they realized they ate the fruit, their eyes were opened, and they realized they were naked. Remember back um, at the end of chapter two, it says they were naked. They were naked and they were not ashamed. So I'm assuming that they just didn't know or they didn't even know what naked was. Naked wasn't even a concept. It wasn't a word. It wasn't a thing for them. But now they ate the fruit they weren't supposed to and their eyes were opened and now they realize they are naked. And so they sewed some fig leaves together to make them some clothes to cover themselves up. As you know, that's the natural reaction for people today. but. You know, it, it wouldn't have been if this didn't happen. Um, so then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. That's funny how they think they can hide from God. Like God knows all. He know where you at. <laughs> So what you hiding for? But the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? And he said, the man said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. God then said to the man, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you not to eat? And then the man said, well, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit of the tree and I ate. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. <laughs> when I read that, y'all, what came in my head was like, and this is a true story, y'all, what I'm about to tell y'all. So when I was little, I had a problem with lying. And it wasn't like little white lies that kids tell. Like, I would lie a lot constantly. I was basically a habitual liar. And the main thing I would lie about is food. And I would lie, I would eat something that I wasn't supposed to eat. Oh, my God, this is exactly like the story. Oh, my goodness. I would eat something I wasn't supposed to eat. And then when my mom would, you know, find out that I ate it, she would ask who ate it because, you know, it's me and my brother. And then I would lie, sometimes put the blame on Aaron or I would just lie and be like, I don't know who ate it. <laughs> so basically, this was like a modern day Adam and Eve story. This story I'm about to tell you. So, so my mom, she bought like this two liter bottle of Coca-Cola. And I don't remember if she told us that we couldn't have any. I think we could have some, but of course we had to ask. But I didn't ask. I just drank it. And then not only did I drink it, but I drank it all. Um, so she, she didn't get any and, I don't, and Aaron didn't get any. I just drank the whole thing myself. Um, and so my mom came home. And, you know, she goes to go get herself a cup of cola. And, of course, the cola's gone. Me being stupid, like, it, it was only a little bit left when I drank it. So I tried to, like, replace it with water. <laughs> I, I don't know how old I was at the time I was. I, I, I want to say I was, like, 9 or 10. I don't know. But I tried to replace it with water. It, of course, that we all know that didn't work out. But, anyway, she goes and she's like, okay. Basically, she's like, she brings me and Aaron to the kitchen. We're standing in front of her. And she's like, who did this? Who drunk the cola? Y'all, I blame Aaron. I said, ooh, Aaron drunk the cola. And my poor brother, he, <laughs> he, took, he took the blame. But let me tell y'all how this is, this correlates, this is like kind of the same of what's going on with, with, with God and um, Adam and Eve. My mom already knew that it was me because, you know, like I said before, this was a common thing for me to lie about food 
and you know Aaron's autistic so he doesn't really eat he, he has like a cert he's very picky basically he has a set list of things he eats so most of the time the stuff that you know she would ask us about like if it was missing in the fridge she knew instantly it was me because I'm the only person that eats it her me and her are the only person that eats it in the house she knows she didn't eat it so of course it had to be me so my mom already knew that I was the one that drunk the cola but she asked anyway and that's basically what God did here God knows all he sees all he already knew what Adam and Eve did but he asked anyway that right there like my mom and like God is doing with Adam and Eve that is God basically giving you a chance to confess. That's where the free will comes in. Remember free will last episode? Yeah, that's what God gives us. He gave us the gift of free will to make our choices. And now he's given us the gift of, you know, confession, I guess you can call it. He's given us a chance to, you know, come clean. And who knows what the outcome would have been if Adam Wood did come clean and you know, took accountability for his own actions instead of just, you know, turning to his wife and was like, well, she gave it to me, so I ate. But Adam, baby, you, you alone knew that you weren't supposed to eat the fruit from that tree. Like I said, y'all, God told Adam this command before Eve was even, even made so it is Adam's responsibility to to pass on that information or to make sure that his wife knows what the deal is and that she doesn't do it. But he stood there hearing the conversation with the serpent, seeing the serpent deceive her. And instead of intervening and saying, hey, this is not right. This is not what God commanded. He just went along with the ride. And then when he was confronted about it, instead of taking accountability for his own action, he plays the blame game. Like how I did with uh, the moment with my mom in the cola. (laughs) So eating the fruit transformed the couple, but not for the better. They were now ashamed of being naked and they attempted to cover themselves. And then when they know that God is there, they attempted to hide. And not only did, you know, when they, when God confronted him, Adam blamed the wife, but then the wife also didn't take accountability and she blames the serpent. Now, Eve, you know better too. I just gave Adam flack. I'm getting Eve smoked too. Cause Eve knew better too. It's not like Adam just failed to to tell her, oh, this is what God commanded. Of, of course, she knew of the command because she misquoted it earlier in the chapter. So she knew, too. But she was easily deceived, again, because she ain't know all the information. And she ate it, too. And instead of taking saying, oh, yeah, 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 it, it's my bad. This is all on me. She blames the serpent. And I also wanted to point out that when God first called to them, like when he, when God was walking around looking for them, he was like, where are you? In both versions, it said he said this to the man. So he didn't, he didn't call out to say, where are they? Or he wasn't using you as like, you know, to talking to the man and the woman. He was talking to the man. So the man and you are singular. So he confronts Adam first, which just solidifies that Adam is basically the head of the husband and wife relationship. And that's what God intended when he created, you know, the husband and the wife. And I feel like that's what he intended with marriage. And I don't, I know that, that, you know, a lot of women are like, uh, uh-uh, uh, nobody's going to be the head of me, but he's not saying, like I said, in the last episode, Eve is not Adam's possession. She is his blessing, a helper for him. But Adam still is like the head. I'm not saying you have to be a blind slave to the man. But, you know, just let him do what he needs to do. You know, he has all information. Again, Adam had the information about what God commanded, about the rules of the garden. Because Eve wasn't even made when God gave him these commands. So he, so, so he needs to be the head. Because he has, you know, all the information. 
So, yeah, that shocked me. I'm still a little on the fence about the whole head of the household type thing. I just feel like it's gotten a little bit out of what God meant as far as head of the household. I feel like humans have kind of diluted. Well, I'm not. I don't feel like I know humans have taken it overboard. Basically, we have, again, like the woman, added our own modifications to the command, the the command and, you know, the systems that God has put in place for us. So let's read on. Let's see what, what God does after they told him, after he confronts, after the, what the woman said. So the woman blames the serpent. God came and, you know, they ate the fruit. They realized they were naked. They tried to hide themselves. And then they heard God in the garden. They're like, oh, snap, we got to hide from God now. Ooh, he coming. <laughs> and then the Lord like, okay, where y'all at? Even though he already know where they at. He like, where y'all at? He, he, he like, Adam, where you at now? Come on, come on out from behind that tree, that, that bush. <laughs> <laughs> and talk to me Adam comes out and he said and God basically like you know he ain't say this but he just basically like why are you hiding and God and Adam's like well I heard you and I was afraid because we naked and so I hit myself and then God's like hold up back up who told you you were naked you ate from that tree didn't you Adam and Adam's like well the woman gave it to me and I just ate and then the Lord turned to the woman and he's just like, girl, what did you do? And the woman's like, well, the serpent, he, he lied to me and I ate. So now we're here. The Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field on your belly, you shall go and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I would put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now I'm going to stop there before we move on to, to what the Lord says to the, to the woman. So in the first verse, of this whole chapter, it said that the serpent was more crafty, right? And now the God says that the serpent is more cursed because of its part in tempting the woman. So from now on, the serpent is viewed with contempt. And this is conveyed in like, he says that, you know, the serpent would now is now cursed to move on its belly and to eat dust for the rest of its life. And then he goes on to say that because he deceived the woman, the serpent will have like ongoing, ongoing like hostility with between the woman and her offspring. So many people just think, oh, okay, so this must explain why, you know, people don't like snakes. You know, snakes are poisonous, snakes are scary, they bite, blah, blah, blah. But you got to look deeper. God is basically saying that the, the serpent will be defeated by a future descendant of the woman. This is verbatim from the, from, from, from the Bible. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. This is, the, this is God speaking to the serpent. So between the serpent's offspring and the woman's offspring, he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his tail. Now. He, the word he, is meaning to mean one particular offspring in view. He is like us, like one, he is talking about one person in the, in the woman's offspring in the future. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. Now, when you look at the whole large, larger picture, this hope this person that God is referring to that will trump the, the serpent is Jesus because Jesus in the new Testament overcomes Satan. And remember I said that the serpent is basically Satan. So what God is saying, he is foreshadowing that yes, strife will be between you and the woman, but also her offspring. That particular person, Jesus will bruise your head and you will bruise his heel. 
I'm going to just leave it at there because we're going to be reading the New Testament and you'll see how this kind of correlates back, how God is foreshadowing what is to come in this moment with him addressing the serpent or him cursing the serpent. Now we get on to what the Lord said to the woman. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Wow, that is harsh. And you know, when I first read that, I was like, oh, so that's why giving birth is painful. That's why we scream in agony when a whole human being is being brought to the world. Now let's, let's get to verse 20. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. These words just indicate the ongoing struggle between the man and the woman for leadership in a marriage relationship. So the, the leadership role of the husband and the, the complementary relationship between husband and wife that were ordained by God before this all happened is now damaged and distorted by sin. So this is, this takes forms of conflicting desire on the part of the wife and demeanoring rule on the part of the husband. So from now on, as a result of Adam and Eve's sin of rebellion against what God told them, it now has, you know, disastrous consequences on their relationship. Eve will have the sinful desire to oppose Adam and assert leadership over him, reversing God's plan for Adam to be the head of the relationship in marriage. But Adam will also abandon his position that God has given him, you know, before all this happened of leading and guarding and caring for his wife, replacing this with his own sinful, distorted desire to rule over Eve. You see this? You see how this all comes twofold to how marriages, you know, I'm not going to say most marriages and, you know, but the majority are now like, it's just this ongoing battle between the man and the husband to rule over each other when you're supposed to be working in tandem. And it's all because of this moment. And so one of the results of Adam and Eve's rebellion against God is the ongoing and damaging conflict between husband and wife in a marriage. Driven, this was driven by the sinful behavior of both in rebellion against their God-given roles and their responsibilities within the marriage. So let's read what he what he says to Adam, because everybody's getting punished now. Nah, we don't one thing about uh about punishment that I know for well, like if one if one of us get in trouble, then we both probably gonna get yelled at. <laughs> At least I, that's how it was for me. Like if, if, if my brother got in trouble and he got yelled at my mom, she would turn around and yell up, yell at me about something. <laughs> and I hated that, but you know, you know, Adam, Adam had his, his play in her too. So he's, he gotta have a punishment. All right. So to catch all up, you know, God gave curse the serpent. He cursed uh, the woman and now we're, we're to the man. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Woo! God, why are you coming at him like that? Oh! That's, that's cutthroat. So God's punishment for the man involves his relationship with the, with the very ground from which he was formed. And because he ate from this tree, which he was, he, he was told not to, he will have to struggle to eat in the future. God gave them a, an abundance of food in this garden. He basically, Adam and um, Eve 
didn't have to worry about never not eating. Like a food was abundant and it will always will be abundant in this garden. So, you know, you must know that God is angry if he take that away. Like he said, you about to struggle with food for the rest of your life. Adam will no longer enjoy the garden's abundance and he will have to work the ground from which he was taken. You see, this is actually, it may not seem like this is a punishment. They're like, okay, so, I mean, he now he got, didn't you give him that job to work, you know, the land? He did. He did command Adam when he made him and put him in the garden. You will, you will be the ruler over this ground and you will work it and you will maintain it. But let me put it this way. So God gave Adam authority or authority over the ground. And he said, okay, you will work this ground. You have authority over it. You are the ruler over it. But now as punishment, the, the ground is now the ruler over you. The ground dictates when you eat. The ground dictates when you work. The ground dictates when you sleep. Now do y'all get how this is a punishment? And how, you know, some of us, not even some of us, basically this is how work is formed. This is how work is viewed in today's time. Work is viewed as a punishment. Work dictates us. We do not dictate work. There's some people who are blessed and they dictate work, dictate their work. But the majority of us, we are ruled. Every Work rules our lives. It tells us when to wake up. It tells us when we can eat. It's, it it commands us. We don't command it. And it's sad to, to see, to read that that is not what God intended for man. And that man just basically played us all. Ugh, I'm getting mad just thinking about it. Mm. Why, Lord, why? <laughs> but the punishment basically is not work itself but rather like the hardship and the frustration that, that accompanies labor. That is the punishment. And if y'all think about it, this is kind of the start between the disruption of like the harmonious relationship that humans and nature have. Like when we do something, we are, when we do something into nature, like, you know, human interference with, you know, nature's processes, nature throws us a curveball back and it hits us with storms, wa- waters, um, the shortage, um, creatures disappearing, um, long winters, short summers, super hot summers, super cold winters. So it's just this constant back and forth because, you know, human intervention, human humans are, you know, dest- basically destroying the planet and the planet is fighting back. So I feel like this was the start of that relationship that we have with nature. And then God was like, so your body, you were made from dust and dust you shall return. That's like, that's like, (laughs) for some reason, I just feel like, you know, mic drop. And then God just walks away like, boom, I said what I said. (laughs) So the body's, the man's body will return to the ground. Basically saying you will, you'll be buried. You will die and you will return to the ground. That's like a foreshadow of, of how humans will leave this earth. Now let's read on to see what happens after he gave everybody their punishments. So the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Have y'all realized that Eve didn't even have the name Eve up until this point? Like the Bible was referring to Eve as the woman. Like she didn't even have a name. But then after all this, uh, suddenly she gets a name. I don't know what the significance is behind that, but I just found that weird because when Adam was made, it never said, okay, and your name is Adam. It just started calling him Adam and that's what he was. But you know, the woman was, had to be given a name. Let me know what y'all think that is about. Cause like, I, I don't really know. I don't know if that holds significance or if, you know, if I'm accurate in that observation, let me know what you guys think. But let me get back to reading. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. 
So now we went from a life where we, we weren't ashamed to be naked. We were free and now we got to wear clothes. Thank you. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. So remember that, that, that promise that the serpent gave Eve? He was like, if you eat this, you will become like God. But like I said, she was already like God because she was made in the image of God. And now God is affirming because you ate from this tree. Yeah, you're like me. But look, instead of you, she saw it as a good thing. But really, it wasn't. That's how the devil deceives you guys. He promised you he promised you a life of luxury. And then once you achieve it. It's really not as luxurious as you thought it was going to be and actually has some pretty devastating consequences. So that's basically what God is saying. He's saying, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man and at the east of the garden of Eden, he placed the cherubim and a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life and that is the end of chapter three so god's word of judgment on the serpent the woman and the man are followed by two observations that possibly convey a sense of hope for the man and the wife First, the man's name, his wife, Eve, which means life giver. So because she is going to be basically, you know, she's the woman that's going to give birth to life on earth from her. Many people will be made. So that's why they named her Eve. And then God gives clothes to the couple. So this just this final action recognizes that the human couple that they're now ashamed of being naked in the presence of God. But. In a way, it's, it also shows how God still cares for them. He sees their shame. And even though they're not, they're not supposed to be ashamed at all, he, was, he took pity on them and he made them clothes and he covered them. He said, here you go, put these clothes on to, you know, alleviate your shame. So God still has love for Adam and Eve, even though, you know, they did what they did. And he took these clothes he had to sacrifice animals in order for them to have these clothes. So not, so you see how like their sin just caused God to just do things just out of his will. Like before when he made the animals and uh, the people, he gave people the authority over the animals. He gave people the responsibility to take care of them to make sure they were all right. And now he has to kill them in order to atone for the people's sins. And that correlates to what we're going to read further in the old Testament. You know, it was common practice for when you, um, for when you would want forgiveness for a sin, you would have to kill an animal in order to do that. But we'll get more into that when we get to that point. Verse 22. So verse 22 is, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. And then it, it cuts off. Like he it, it's kind of like God just stopped talking. And so what is that about? God begins a sentence in verse 22, but then breaks off without finish it, finishing it. For the man to live forever in his sinful condition. So, so, so he's basically saying for you to live forever in, in this sinful condition that I just cursed upon you, it's just an unbearable, unbearable thought for him. It's almost like he couldn't even get those words out. He couldn't even say like, you're going to live like this forever. So and God, he wastes, he wastes no time in preventing this from happening. Cause he's like, you know what? I'm not going to prolong the inevitable even though this hurts me bad to say that you were going to live this way. I mean, this is, this is the consequences to your actions. So he sent them out of the garden, the tree of life. Remember uh, I mentioned the tree of life last, last episode, uh, back in chapter two, um, verse 15, the man was put in the garden to work it and keep or guard it. So outside of that garden, the man will have to work the ground 
But the task of maintaining the garden and keeping it and guarding it has been given to a cherub. Now, what you probably like, what is that? And I don't even know if I'm saying it right. I feel like that is basically an angel. Basically, he gave he gave the job to an angel instead of a, a, a human because of what they did. And remember, uh, this this all started because Eve didn't know verbatim she didn't understand the instructions so she was easily manipulated and it just caused this domino effect uh yeah sad (laughs) sad um so by allowing themselves to be manipulated by the serpent the couple failed to fulfill their duties given by God of guarding the the garden, guarding the garden, that duty, that status that, that God gave them was stripped from them and they were placed outside of this sanctuary. They had it all in the beginning. They had an abundance of food. They had a purpose. The purpose was to maintain and and rule over all the beasts and the creatures that God had made to guard the garden, um, to have this this closeness with God, to have peace, to have you know happiness. There's no loneliness. There's no shame. This these people these two had it all, and it was all crushed. And one stupid decision made by both of them, one willful rebellion against God caused them hardship. Not only them, but the serpent too. And when I read this, it I instantly understood life, I should say. I instantly understood why things are the way they are, why we feel this way about work, why marriages don't work, why there is strife, why is why marriage is hard. <laughs> I understood in a, in a way I understood um the roles that God intended for man and for man and woman when they got married. And now I understand how those roles have now are in constant, you know, strife with each other. And this seems, this story seems like, well, there's no hope. Like if God cursed them to live this way forever, then what's the point, you know? But remember, God cut himself off on that verse 22 when he said, you know, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now, lest this is where the hope comes in, guys. This is the, this is the hope. Now, lest he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. Basically, what I got from that verse is that this 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 ideal life that Adam and Eve had before their stupid decisions, this ideal life that you you may think is unattainable now because we're cursed forever it is attainable it's attainable because of jesus christ jesus christ is the tree of life jesus once you reach out his hand basically god is saying lest you reach out your hand to jesus the tree of life and eat basically you know um acknowledge god acknowledge that jesus is the only way to achieve that ideal perfect life that Adam and Eve had before the fall of man. And I can actually attest to this because I back, I feel like this started in 2020 and we did an an episode about this. Um, my, my, my journey, um, through 2020, I think up to like 2021, my life was basically how it, it it mirrored how God cursed Adam. Like my life, I was in constant distress. Um, and I felt burdened. I felt tired. 
I felt anxious. I felt out of control of my life. And it wasn't until I reached out my hand and I ate from the tree of life that is Jesus Christ. And now I can tell you that I am experiencing every day that harmonious relationship with God, that closeness. It, it feels like the Garden of Eden here on earth. And this is only just a part of it because it is even more pleasant in heaven. So that is, I guess, the moral of this. Yes, we were cursed to live a life of unrest, but peace will come to us if we just reach out our hand to Jesus. This chapter has many titles. Um, and the ERV version, it is titled The Beginning of Sin. In the ESV Study Bible, it is titled The Fall. I've heard people call it the fall of man. Um, and then it also has basically the couple, the human couple rebels against God. So to sum chapter three up, the sudden and unexplained arrival of a cunning serpent presented a challenge of immense importance to the human couple. Their choice to their choice was to disregard God's instruction. This is basically basically an act of willful rebellion that had terrible consequences for the whole of creation. Not only the people, but animals, nature, it, it disrupted everything. As a result, God's creations was basically thrown in, in disorder. And it had chaotic effects on that, that it had chaotic effects that resulted um, from the disruption of this harmonious relationship that God had established before they made these, this, 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 they, before they did this willful act of rebellion against God. But like I said, that, that harmonious relationship can be achieved for all, all creation by simply reaching out your hand and eating from the tree of life that is Jesus Christ. Well, that is all I have to say about chapter three of Genesis. Read chapter three of Genesis yourself and please share with me your observations and your interpretations. What did I miss? What did you agree with? What did you disagree with? And, you know, just overall, just just tell me what what stories came to mind when you read the chapter. I, I told you a few of my own testimonies and how I view the world now how do you view the world you can do this by following us on our social medias on our Instagram and Facebook page at brave combos that is at sign b-r-a-v-e-c-o-n-b-o-s at brave combos please feel free to dm us and comment on our post and don't forget to share y'all share the love share the message um, my dream is that, you know, many people hear this and, you know, we just start a brave conversation about it. Um, it all just starts with one person. So share this with your friends, with your family, even with strangers, <laughs> just simply walk up to somebody and just be like, Hey, or listen to this and then walk away. <laughs> Maybe it'll work. Um, join us, um, again next week where we will do, um, I'll be reading chapter four of Genesis which is that's a that's a good one too y'all yeah your mind's gonna be blown with that one um yeah I just hope everyone has a very blessed day bye guys I totally forgot. <laughs>
Uh, make sure that you stream our podcast episodes on wherever you get your podcast. We are on Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Castbox, Radio Public. We are on a lot of platforms, guys. So make sure that you stream us, share, like, comment. Peace.